Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we're on the Airwaves to discuss inclusion in the workplace. Now, I want you to listen in because this is a topic that impacts all of us, no matter where you sit in the organization. So joining us today is Rodney Flowers, a procuring contracting officer at NAVAIR in Patuxent River, Priscilla Ford, an electronics engineer at FRC Southwest, and Matt Artelt, a supervisory general engineer at NOC WD. Thank you all for joining us. So inclusion in the workplace, let's start with what is it? Rodney, how do you define inclusion? Well, I define inclusion by three ways. There's three points that I wanna really provide here that defines inclusion for me. Number one is it's a workplace where there's no physical barriers that impedes you know, the performance or the participation of all of, it, all of its employees, you know, regardless of the race, the gender, disability, and religion. That's the first thing. The second thing is a workplace environment that is acceptable to and actively seeking the participation of those that are different, not just tolerating it. You know, inclusion is a hot topic and a lot of times organizations want to be more inclusive and they do that, but it's more from a from a check in the box sort of speak type of way you know they're just tolerating dealing with people that are different that's not true inclusion by my definition and the third thing is an, an, an environment that is that is open and inclusive from the heart and we can talk about that a little bit more later on but but that's my definition of inclusion great definition and, and you're right it's not just the physical workplace environment but the mood or sentiment of those around you that feed into inclusion matt priscilla same question how would you define inclusion i think rodney really uh, hit it out of the park on that one i think that it's you know it's meant to be an active process in uh you know in an organization in society you know really actively working to bring together all the viewpoints of all the members of society. Uh, it should be representative of society as a whole, you know, basically forming a microcosm of society so that everyone, everyone's represented, everyone's respected, and everyone is valued in the way that, you know, they feel is appropriate, and everyone has the same opportunities. Inclusion, to me, is putting the concept of diversity into action. And it's by creating an environment of respect, connection, and involvement. And also includes empowerment. So people will feel like they're being included as part of the team. So Priscilla, continuing that thought, what does inclusion look like at NAVAIR? For NAVAIR, to me, it's like they're trying to get better at inclusion and diversity. They're putting on a lot of events. They have diversity teams. So they're really trying to catch up to speed with the private industry. So I think they're on the right track. They're doing well. So I think NAVAIR has been doing a really good job with inclusion over the past few years. And as time is going on, we're getting better at it. You know, now we have the diversity advisory teams, which go towards, you know, including, you know, various aspects of society as a whole who are present in the workplace, bringing them together, making sure the viewpoints are heard and getting getting their messages out to the greater workforce so we can say, you know, hey, here are people who you may not know, uh, you may see them every day in the hallway, but, you know, they're part of the workforce. They're, they're the same team that you're a part of. You know, let's bring everybody together. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with, with Matt. I mean, I've, over the recent years, I've seen an increase of people with disabilities in the workforce. I've seen more participation. I've seen 
never actively sponsoring programs that f foster and facilitate hiring individuals with disabilities and other people, I should say, that are different. And so I think they're, they're taking active approaches towards being more inclusive. In a recent interview with Vice Admiral Peters, he discussed the value of teams and working together to achieve the mission. So why would inclusion be so important to mission outcomes? It's a very good question. I believe your, your mission outcomes are only as good as the people performing them. And so inclusion allows an organization to discover talent that they need in order to go from good to great. When you're not inclusive, then I think you're excluding yourself and you're excluding talent. And we're here to support the warfighter. We want to get the best people. We want the best solutions. Being more inclusive allows that. And the second thing is, I think inclusion allows people to be heard. It allows voices to be heard. A lot of times, you know, organizations will send out those surveys. And um, honestly, a lot of people, a lot of employees feel like, you know, that's just a check in the box, if you will, because there's not a lot of action. It's not meaningful. That's taking from the survey. But when you're truly inclusive, you actually not only hear, but listen to those voices and you make changes as a result of that. And that in turn produces a greater result. I love that. By, by being open to others' ideas and experiences, we can work together to find solutions which then benefit the mission. So, but what about the workplace? How can inclusion benefit your workplace? Well, I think inclusion builds community. And whenever you have community, you give people a sense of belonging. So you talk about retention, you talk about loyalty, you talk about growth. Well, I think inclusion fosters loyalty. It fosters, you know, uh, uh, growth and development and, and it fosters a sense of of belonging to that community. And when you have that, people, they're willing to work harder and they're not just there for a paycheck, but they feel like they're a part of that mission. And they, they, when a, a person feels that way, I think you'll get a greater performance out of them, which is a greater result. So there are clear benefits, but how do we as individuals contribute to an inclusive work environment? Priscilla? Getting to know your coworkers, their family, their kids, you know, you ask them how they're doing and be genuine about it. People know that you care. You can't work next to someone for years and not know anything about them. I think it's important that you at least try to engage in your coworker. Don't be the one to wait for somebody to come say something to you. Just get to know them a little bit. And then that way, everybody starts feeling like they're included and they feel like they're important. So from the, the highest parts of our organization all the way down to you know the lowest working level, every single one of us is part of a team. You can't have that team without that sense of inclusion, of belonging. Otherwise, you just have you just have groups of people working on you know disparate tasks. When you have that sense of inclusion, everybody can come together. Everybody you know can work together to that common solution, to you know ultimately provide a better product to you know our warfighters. So, Matt, speaking of that interaction with your coworkers, when you are working as part of a team, what has helped you to feel included? So, I think. When it comes to you know my personally feeling included, one of the things that has helped me a lot is just when when people come to me and you know direct directly include me in meetings that might be going on. They might invite me to a test event. They might ask for me to to review a document that might not necessarily have anything to do with my specific experience or background, but they just want to get you know quote unquote an outsider's view of you know their tasking and you know I appreciate that. Priscilla what makes you feel valued at work? 
Being recognized for the work that you do, asking my opinion on certain subjects, it's really important when you have, when you come to work every day and you're doing your job, you want to know that somebody, you know, appreciates what you're doing. So even if it doesn't mean getting an award, but at least you can say, hey, I like what you did, you know, good job. And, and people tend to, to appreciate that. So I think that's really important. That makes me feel valued. Speaking of decisions, and, and this is often a tough one for most people, how would you handle a situation where another employee did or said something that could be offensive to someone else? So this is a, a challenging situation. I've certainly found myself you know, in you know, many times in the past. You know, all of our training and all the, the literature says when, you know, when somebody is doing something, you're supposed to stand up and you know, speak out for you know, the, the person who is you know, being wronged. And it's a really challenging thing to do as a person, especially, you know, we in Navair, we move around a lot in our jobs. So we might be in these situations where we've only known people for a few weeks. I myself, um, just a, a month or two into a new job a couple of years ago, found myself in a situation on travel where uh, a, a coworker was speaking ill of a particular uh, group at the dinner table when we were out for for a meal and I knew what I needed to do in my head but I wasn't able to do it and you know I still regret that I'm here speaking about it today I wish I could have done a better job of it I you know and that's that's something that's really hard standing up to a coworker when you know something they're doing is wrong even when you know in your heart that it's wrong but I think that that's what we need to do as a workforce uh, is you know, stand up to our coworkers and our employees and even our employers when we perceive them doing something wrong because it's gonna make the workplace better ultimately. Um, I think it depends on the situation. I think it depends on the person. If you know the person versus if you don't know the person, it depends on your reaction. If you know the person, you would probably say, hey, wow, did you really mean to say that? I mean, I'm quite sure you mean to say it that way. You must have meant it another way. That way you can kind of bring it to their attention if they said something that was disrespectful. If someone you don't know, you probably have to figure out another way to approach it. You have to see who that person is, what type of person that is. And it depends on your personality. If you don't, you're not an outgoing person, then you probably tend not to say anything. If you are, you might try to figure out a way to address that issue, especially if it made you feel uncomfortable. You both make some great points. It's hard. I mean, especially in a workplace environment to stand up and say something. But it is so important that we take care of each other. You know, Rodney, I think that it's sometimes easier said than done. But the, I mean, the truth is that we all have different backgrounds, different influences. So how do we celebrate our differences, share those differences, and yet foster inclusion? Well, you know, it really starts with us. You know, to be honest with you, I mean, a lot, you know, we walk around, we're human beings. If we want to just be real about things, we are human beings and human beings have biases, okay? And a lot of those things are not our fault. It's because of the way we were brought up, things that we were exposed to. And when we come into an organization or a corporation, which when you break that down, it's co-operation. We're going to work with people and, and those people may have different backgrounds, okay? And so you have to be open and willing to, you know, not forget where you come from, but break those barriers down that prevent you from working with someone who doesn't look like you, who doesn't sound like you, who doesn't have the same background as you. And when it comes to organizations, I think this is a big key because you can have the trainings, 
and you can talk about inclusion all day, but if you're not building a culture with people who are truly open and want inclusion from the heart, then you're still gonna have these barriers because you know I can give you the training, but if you don't really feel that you wanna be inclusive, that you want to you know, interact with people that are different from you, whatever that may be, then we're not gonna be inclusive. So we, and when it starts with you and I, you know, we have to be as inclusive, inclusive as we can be with each other and spread that and show the benefit of being inclusive. There are a lot of simple things that we can do on a daily basis to, you know, to foster inclusion, you know, and, and well, well beyond the, you know, the equal opportunity categories. It can be as simple as including somebody on an email, you know, string that might not have otherwise been included, including somebody in a telecon invite or a meeting invite, and, you know, going around the room in a meeting and asking, you know, every single person, you know, what do they think about a particular issue, you know, people by default, you know, you might run into situations where you just go down a particular direction and, you know, by our very nature without thinking about it, you might accidentally exclude somebody. And you can, you can just really easily avoid that by consciously, you know, doing these really small things. We, we can't know necessarily how that might affect somebody's day, but just asking somebody, you know, what do you think about X situation, that can really make a difference in how somebody feels included. To me, that depends on the middle managers. You have the upper managers, the SESers, the admirals, they're all pushing the diversity and the inclusiveness. And then you have the middle managers. You have to make sure you push it to them, and they have to be able to to allow their employees to participate in the events. They have to allow them to go to the, the brown bags or the luncheons that that really focus on these things. And you have to have managers to really go to these, these events that they have just for them. If you don't have that, you're not going to ever be able to get all-inclusive like you want to get all-inclusive. So I think it's really important that it's the middle managers and the people on the floor they're the ones that have to get involved and be the ones to willing to get their team included. And I, and I just want to pile on to that. You know, I feel that sometimes inclusion can be frightening for people. And as an organization, I think we need to have those conversations. It's such an awkward conversation that we tend to avoid it instead of tackling it. And I think that really starts with, with management. I think when management starts having those conversations and then, you know, have those conversations at that level and then facilitate them down to the lower level with the employees. And I think another thing that can be done is, is exactly what Matt said, is, is listening to the voices, the thoughts, and the feelings of the employees. And, and, and not just hearing it, but actually listening to that and then making changes appropriately in the organization. I think it kind of goes back to that old saying of two heads are better than one. I mean, where you have more people in the room, more experiences, more ideas, it, it can only make the solution better, honestly. But Speaking of the experiences, I want to talk to you about maybe some of the experiences or stories that you have to offer as far as positive stories related to inclusion. I can give a story. When I went to Southwestern College back in, I'm not going to date myself, but <laughs> they had the engineering program and I want to be involved. And they didn't have, like now they have the National Society of Black Engineers. They only had the, the Society of Hispanic Engineers. I joined a group. 
I didn't know anybody. I just went in. I said, hey, I want to be a part of your group because it was engineering. I figured we can all be a part of the same thing. And they really accepted me, you know, when they had meetings or things were spoken Spanish. They had somebody to tell me what they were talking about. So they never made me feel excluded. I always felt included. So, I mean, that was one of the good positive things about being included. Well, me personally, you know, I'm, I'm an African-American and, and I have a severe disability and Never has been good to me. There have been some physical barriers, but never has take the, taken the initiative to remove those barriers. They're still actively removing those barriers. And when I deal with my leadership, they're constantly, you know, looking at ways that will provide me opportunities to grow and become a leader here at Navier. And so I think Navier is a great place to work. I would recommend it to anyone who uh, is looking for a great place that's diverse to, to come and work. And yet, I still think there's some, some additional challenges that we have here at Navier. Being a person with a disability, I look for organizations that showcase, yes, this person has a disability and they're in a leadership position. You know, I want to actively see that and, and not just someone tell me that, but show it in your marketing, show it in when you go in and you're doing your, your, your expos and things like that. Because if you're going to be the, the employer of choice, people need to see that you're not just talking about it, but you're actually doing it. And so. That's, that's what I would have to add. You know, I guess on a personal basis, I have never really felt excluded as a member of the, the NAVAIR workforce. I guess I'm fortunate in that regard. So I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus A diversity team uh, here at WD. And one of the things that's been a highlight of that experience has been the, the yearly uh, Pride Month celebrations that we have both nationally and, and here at WD at Channel Lake. You know, recently, last year, we had the speaker here locally, and just a, a huge cross-section of the workforce came out to that event to, to hear the speaker and participate and ask questions. So from removing barriers to encouraging diversity teams, you're right, Navier is taking some huge steps to foster inclusion across the organization. And Rodney, I think you hit the hit the mark. It's important to see diversity across all areas, all levels of the workforce. So in wrapping up today, what can we do to create a more inclusive culture at Navair? I just think we need to hit inclusion head on. We can't be afraid of it. It's a touchy sub subject and some people are afraid to, to really roll up the sleeves and, and get in there because it really reveals some of the personal biases that we really have uh, as individuals. But if we're going to build a culture of inclusivity, then I think we, we have to have the conversations. We, we can't ignore it. And I think the, the results of our missions, the way we support our warfighter is depending upon that. So we're all human beings. By our very nature, you know, we are, we are resistant to change. Through education and training, you know, we can do a better job of that and do a better job of addressing the needs of the entire workforce and making sure that everyone's voice is heard. And I think, you know, Rodney and you, Michael, as well, you know, have said it up. The message needs to go up and down the workforce through this event, through everybody talking today and through all the, the different team events. I think, you know, we're continuing to do that. And we just have to keep up the momentum and, and not be afraid. That's powerful. So thank you all for joining us today to discuss inclusion in the workplace. You've really offered up some amazing insight on a topic that, well, it benefits all of us. But that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thank you for listening.